0: So I was, I'm gonna, I have to accuse you of lying to me. Why? Because you told me at one point, well, season two is like the best streak of episodes and there are no bad episodes. But so far we've had the apple last week and this week we get cat's paw. Like there are some really bad shit happening so far on Star Trek.
1: No, I'll justify that to you. Right okay, now. let's hear it. Because I, I didn't say that it was the best. Well, it is the best season. I did say that. Yeah. And what I, I what I said, yeah, what um, I said was yeah. that it is the most consistent season in that the highs are high and the lows are not as low as they were in the first season.
0: Uh, I would say Cat's Paw is pretty low. I I. I well, let's talk
1: about Cat's Paw.
0: Cat's Paw feels like a gigantic waste of money because obviously this one had a set. This one had a budget to it. There are no, lo- it didn't. No, there were a lot more effect shots in this one. Like, they were all, like, shoestring things, but. What
1: effect shots a cat's ball had? The
0: puppets, the uh, the, the, the cat chasing them, the set. I mean, there was a set in there.
1: Richard, you, you realized that that wasn't actually a giant cat. I know
0: that. It was very Night of the Leftist kind, but they made it, like, they made a cat run for it. Like, to make it. Like, in the one shot where it runs down a corridor, they made, like, a cat sized. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? That bit?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I thought I, it was a awesome. loss. I watched the episode. Yeah. Speaking of Night of the Lepus. Yeah? Is DeForest Kelly uh, one of our actors who has appeared in a uh, televised series that had a large uh, cat chasing them and then also later on huh. appeared in a movie that had large rabbits chasing him? Oh. Just wondering about Do you that.
0: Do that, yeah, you think that's why he picked both?
1: Probably not. Okay. It had more to do with the fact that he was not really working in the 70s. Well, uh, no. Okay. The, well, a lot of people weren't. There was an oil crisis. Yeah, that's true. And Carter was president. Uh, well, I understand your objections to Catspaw, And like the apple, I think that of Catspaw starts out very badly, kind of gets better, and ends on a very strange note. Yeah. Now, what I will say about both The Apple and Cat's and this is why I say that the second season the, the 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 bad episodes, quote unquote, um don't reach the lows of the first season because I don't think that you could make an argument that either one of those episodes. And we'll talk about Cat's because we already <laughs> talked about The Apple uh last week. Um Neither one is boring. And the alternative factor. Those are my two arguments.
0: Yeah, but it see, the thing with Cat's Paw is it's another one of those episodes that they did this plot much better in other episodes. I have to say, like, this is more or less the same exact plot as the Squire of Gothos. And at least that had tally-ho, hip-hip-hurrah in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing about Cat's Paw is that um, it's not a real episode. <laughs> no i i mean that literally like it's a real episode of star trek but it was conceived as a halloween episode and so okay
0: good i'm glad they put it as a halloween episode like
1: it's one of those things where it's kind of like treehouse of horror isn't like real simpsons now treehouse of horror of course is 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 still funny um and this isn't really good but,
0: well, my one objection to that is it's not like—they they had Robert Block write this. Now, Robert Block has written—wrote the, the 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 book that Psycho is based off of. He had a career. He also, unfortunately, wrote What Little Girls Are Made Of, which is another episode that was awful. Um, yes. I get the sense that he is not the right person to write Star Trek. He doesn't really know how to write it. Um, and yes. Frankly, none of the characters feel normal here, and even the one that— it, I don't know why they gave a throwaway episode, Halloween episode to someone like him, though. That's what's surprising me. Why not, if this is just going to be a schlock piece, give it to just somebody cheap?
1: He might have been cheap. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, he wrote Psycho, but, I mean, Psycho was not, like, a great novel. No. I mean, I'm sure he got some money for the uh, Hitchcock adaptation, but... You know, well, he didn't write the screenplay, did he? No, 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 no. Yeah, I didn't think I so. Don't, whatever. The rights to it. The I'm sure, rights. he got some money for the rights. Huh. Um, yeah, I yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I had forgotten that he had written little what little girls are made of. So good catch there. Uh, well,
0: well, we have to thank Wikipedia. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, there you go.
0: I did not donate because I don't believe in uh, the internet, but I use it.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, I, I don't. I don't necessarily like Catspaw very much. Uh, it's got some interesting things and I think it's a little disjointed as an episode, definitely. And it's not anything that anybody should ever like make a point of watching. Um, I mean, if, if I've seen it, you know, this may have been the second time in my life I've seen it. I really don't remember. Uh, (laughs) I know I've seen it once before, but I can't really, I didn't remember much about it. It's, 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 it's fine.
0: I mean, there's all these really weird things in the episode, like, We've talked many times about, okay, Kirk's away from the ship, so, you know, Yohara gets the helm, or, you know, Sulu's dealing with everything. Um, In this episode, we get Captain Squarejaw, who bets you credits to Navy Beans that they can make a den in this force field. And just, like, nobody, like, is really listening to him, and it's just like, who is this guy?
1: I liked that. I liked that because, of course, yeah, it was kind of like, well, everyone important beamed down to the planet, and so we've got this dude. In charge. Who is he? I don't know.
0: Yeah, but again, you have Yorra and Sulu and even even Chekhov in the room, like
1: Oh god, Chekhov.
0: And his stupid haircut.
1: Just, well, that wasn't his hair.
0: Well, then oh th- th- that that totally makes it okay then. That was
1: a really, really terribly fitted wig. Like <laughs> And this was the first episode of the season that was filmed. Okay. So he had not grown his hair out yet. Walter Koenig had not grown his hair out yet, and so they fitted him with a wig, which we have seen before. It wasn't
0: that in the first in, the, in, the, in the,
1: uh, It was in the Apple, I believe. Uh, no, it was
0: in another one. I, the first one we saw with him, I want to say the, uh, the Apollo one. We are so bored by are. this episode yeah, that we are talking just, about
1: the appearances of Chekhov's wig. <laughs> I just want to point this out to everyone. Uh, no, and and you know it, it's fine. I yeah. mean, it, 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 I like the episode. Is is I think like i said it it starts out very slowly um they don't really do a good job of justifying like where they are what they're doing like nothing right like they say that scotty and sulu don't come back they don't say what they were doing down there um this one red shirt is dead jackson like okay he's dead fine another dead guy uh it's almost like a joke and then They beam down to this planet, and you know, it's a a boring soundstage with a fog machine. And they have like a castle left over from a Vincent Price movie. Wait, you forget that was filmed next door.
0: You forget the Captain Kirk, where it's like this. Number one, like, it takes them about 20 minutes to, you know, ascertain there are no life signs on this planet. Like, they have that conversation about seven times. Then you have these 20 minutes of these witches that are just in this distorted voice that you can't understand a damn word. They're saying, even every, you know, Scott, uh, Spock, Kirk, and Bones are just looking at it. Like, I, I, I don't think that the actors knew what this episode would be. I think they just got, you know, into makeup and costume one day and was on the were on the set, and then they just had these you know, witches attack them, and they're just like, what the fuck are you guys doing to us today? Like, I think they just kind of figured, all right, it's a hilarious Halloween prank. We'll go with it. But that was an episode.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and I do like when you start, you know, when they get to the castle, and... You find Kolob and you find Sil- uh, you find Sylvia, um, who I think is probably where Elvira got her idea to dress up like that. I
0: loved Sylvia. That, well, that's that was a big, one thing.
1: That's that's one of the things I think the episode gets short shrift for is once they get to the castle and once they do reveal the aliens and they sort of get this weird interplay between Sylvia and Kolob and Kirk and Sylvia and Kirk is sort of hitting on her to confuse her. Um it works it, like it's not great, but it works. Well, it's the thing like Kolob, I don't
0: re. you know, whatever. But the woman who played Sylvia, now, was she, was she anybody? I don't know. She is one. It's one of those cases where she is just committing a hundred percent and making a lot of really bad material. Like that scene where, you know, she and, you know, Kirk are like kissing and stuff like that's awesome. Whenever they, whenever the show is at its best, when it gives to you know someone to who can ham it up with Shatner, when the two of them can just be at ten together, that's when the show is really awesome because it's always interesting to watch. And that was an interesting to watch scene.
1: And something I've noticed in the uh, second season so far, there's a lot more sexual undertones. Oh yeah, uh, especially in the Apple and this in this episode in the next episode. Yeah, and. One of the moments I like, probably my favorite moment in this episode, is when Kirk is pretending to be really attracted to her. And then she backs away from him, looks at his crotch, and she's like, you're not really attracted to me. She just checked Captain Kirk for an erection. (laughs) I don't know how that got on television in 1967, but it did. Yeah, She just checked Kirk for an erection. I just want to make that clear.
0: Okay. I'm considering the ending of the episode. That creeps me the fuck out even more now.
1: Yes. No, it does. Totally. Um, I also think that this is probably uh, where Gary Gygax got the idea for D&D.
0: Okay, it like it would be, it would be
1: a thing. There's a lot of like D and D undertones. How to this many episode.
0: fan See, see how, how many fan fictions did the you know Scotty Bones and spa, sorry, Kirk's bone. How many fan fictions did that dungeon scene inspire? I don't I mean, know. What
1: why do you keep asking me this like I read Star Trek slash? I because don't. Because
0: isn't that what all there is to read? I mean the entire episode itself was a Star Trek fan fiction. I guess that's my problem with it. It seemed like some 14-year-old who like needed to write a Halloween story and was super into Star Trek so just wrote this spooky story about Captain Kirk and anybody and you know it's just That's fine, and good job, Billy, A-plus gold star, but they filmed this. They paid somebody to do this.
1: I mean, I guess you can make the argument that if you are going to do a Halloween episode of a space adventure show, at least make it a good one.
0: I mean, I can see how it would be—the thing is, going with the whole Clark's Law, there is no real difference between uh, advanced technology and magic. I thought the the episode could have really gone into this, having had— alright, well, you know, you have all of these, I I, I figured it would be a spooky witches thing, and where that, you know, where magic was revealed to be some kind of technology given from the aliens, and that would make sense, you know, you have the devil giving powers to, uh, similar enough to uh, Who Mourns for Adonaius, going a different uh, angle into that theme, but that would have been a more interesting episode to me. Obviously, you know, not the one they decided to write, but... One that could have gone somewhere here. They just I it's one of those episodes that doesn't have a point. It's just a bunch of weird shit that happens to Captain Kirk.
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's a very modeled episode, right? Because they wanted to make a Halloween episode. Yeah, it's not scary. Um, It's not very interesting. Uh,
0: and even the ca- – and, and, and we can't even say that, by the way, it's – uh well, it's, you know, 40 years later because even the characters are fairly unimpressed by everything.
1: You no, know, they totally are. Yeah. And, so... I mean, there isn't the, – you know, Kirk is even making fun of it because he's like, well, someone is uh, uh, trick-or-treating us, you know? Yeah, like... yeah.
0: And that's so – obviously, it's not like – I mean, there have been moments in the series that have been legitimately tense or scary when there is so – you could have made a serious, scary Star Trek episode, or you could have made a goofy, scary Star Trek episode. But this doesn't show which it wants to be.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It 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 it, it, it looks. It was just something that was written over an evening, just because it needed to be done. That's how it feels.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I kind of question the um the whole concept of a Star Trek Halloween episode. Like, why was this even necessary?
0: And eh, maybe the network was doing a thing.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I love that you get to see your Horus console and it has all of these candy-colored buttons. It's so much prettier than, like, computers today. Like, yeah, but they
1: didn't know what computers were going to look like.
0: That doesn't matter. I still, like, just want to, like, grab it and just, like, lick on the little buttons because I'm sure they taste delicious.
1: I'm sure that they taste, like, 50-year-old plastic, Richard.
0: I have odd taste. You know I like, like, I like non and. Neco. I was going to
1: say, isn't that what Necco wafers taste like? I love
0: Necco wafers.
1: I, I think, okay, so going back to the whole Caleb and, uh, and Sylvia thing, one of the interesting things, I think, about the episode that it doesn't ever really get um, commented on, and it's not even really all that clear about exactly what type of aliens they are, there's some sort of like hand-wavy stuff about something called the Transmuter, which turns out to be a magic wand, which Kirk breaks at the end of the episode and breaks their power. Um, it's 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 a little unclear, and you can kind of walk me through this and maybe interject if you don't think I'm doing this right. But as I understand it, Kolob and Sylvia are from another galaxy, and they are aliens that have power over their mind to do things with like telekinesis well here's
0: the thing this is basically like the aliens from the cage or the uh what what is the or the menagerie what were they called again
1: that was it the cage and the menagerie
0: no 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 no, the aliens
1: oh um i don't i don't remember
0: um either way uh obviously it doesn't matter those aliens had these powers that they were able to do solely within their brains within you know using their own minds using their own powers um I got the sense that these aliens don't have any real inherent strengths to themselves, but they are so technologically advanced that they've been able to make something which can create all of you know, which can manifest all of these things, which can change their form, which can uh, support their lives. Because at the end, we see without their powers, they die in about thirty seconds. Um, It you know they happen to incarnate it in this little wand. But what
1: sense does that make?
0: Well. I didn't say it made sense. I'm just saying that because it gave something dramatic for Kirk to smash. Like, that's why
1: it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it makes what sense is going on here? Exactly. I mean, it,
0: it, it's one of those that makes sense from a story perspective. How many? There are tons of fairy tales where, uh, you know, the witch has the wand or some kind of crystal, or you know, having some kind of mystical artifact that's the source of the power is a very common fairy tale trope, a fantasy trope, and. You know, destroying that source of power destroys the villain. That's, you know, from that it makes sense, but, you know, those are fairy tales. Magic doesn't really have to follow rules in the same sense. You can get something, you know, while it has to be consistent, you can have a magical law that doesn't make any logical sense, and you can, can say, well, it's magic, it doesn't have to make sense. For technology, it makes no sense why they would make it into this one easily breakable... Object that they hold, you know what I mean. And I mean, I guess
1: the other thing too, though, is like, is it even a real wand? Like, because the, which is, tr- have yeah, fair point. You know, like I don't know. I mean, because the thing was, we don't know what the transmuter actually looked like because the castle wasn't real. None of the, their costuming wasn't real. None of the objects in the castle were real. Um, the cat wasn't even real. I mean, okay. we haven't talked about the cat. Oh, I thought but... the cat was
0: supposed to be Sylvia in cat form. It yeah, funny.
1: it was. But what I'm saying is, like, the cat wasn't real because it was just Sylvia projecting the form of a cat. Like, it's not like...
0: But at the end, same time, if they'd gotten caught by that cat and bitten by it, I think it would have killed them.
1: No, it would have, sure. But uh, the same way that if Kirk ended up having sex with Sylvia, he would have had sex with a real woman. But yeah. Sylvia is not a real woman. no. She so, is
0: a dish rag with a squid attached to it. Right,
1: exactly. So I guess I'm not sure what you're even saying because—
0: Look, I'm trying to figure out an episode that was very half acidly written. I, I, I actually, probably based on the way the episode go, I would say it was on full acid. But um, I don't know. It just didn't—it wasn't—I don't think it was thought that well enough that you can make this sense out of it.
1: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the best thing that you can take away from this episode is Halloween story, leave it at that. Yeah. What do you think about putting Spock onto the planet?
0: Uh, It's, I don't feel like... uh, uh. What, uh, uh, that's how I feel about it. I mean, it.
1: I thought it was interesting to put Spock in this situation yeah, because he can't be scared. But yeah. it would have been a more interesting counterpoint if they had made one of the human characters be scared.
0: Have, you know, give a throw away a female character to be, you know, terrified and, you know, cling to Captain Kirk. That's the thing. You can't have any. Of this- or off. That's true. Oh God, um, you can't really have any of this established characters being scared of this because that would, you know, if If Yohiro was suddenly, t- you know, terrified of, you know, witches, that would undermine so much of what's how she's been characterized this entire time, right? Um, so and, and I'm glad they didn't get the, you know, well, we're just going to get a, a female character and have her be scared of everything, which would also take away from the entire. Uh, uh, Sylvia Kirk tension there. If there were another woman on the planet, so I mean that's the only reason I would say they wouldn't have anybody scared of it. Because who would they do?
1: Yeah, and so I kind of think that that's another. Maybe that's another failing of the episode. That you know perhaps Spock should have been left in charge of the Enterprise because there is no story value there to having Spock there. If Spock was there as a representative of the one character who can't be scared and is looking at all of this logically and the other characters are are not even, you know, maybe not even like scared, but just kind of freaked out. Um, that perhaps would have been a more interesting episode from a from a, like a character perspective, but they didn't do that. And so that's why I think there's no value to having Spock down there, because He's not scared, but neither are Kirk or McCoy.
0: Yeah, and this, um, this, you know, Captain Squarejaw is nobody that, he doesn't really bring anything to the episode that having Spock taking command for that one wouldn't. You know, it, they could easily do, you know, no, Spock, you stay on the ship and you're in charge. And then he's dealing with the, because his entire point was to repeat the things that Sylvia had just said. You know, oh, I'm going to burn your ship. The ship is getting hot. All right, we've put your thing into force field. The ship's in a force field. Like, that's what his entire thing was in the hill and the Navy beans lot. That was the point of the character. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can tell that, you know, Block really needed that character in there. (laughs) For some reason, I don't know if that's because I've seen a picture of Robert Block and that's not what he looks like. But maybe he thought
1: he was. Maybe that was his lover. Oh, that's cute. I mean, Gene Roddenberry put a lot of his uh, female friends into the show, so.
0: Oh my god, maybe he's Sulu's current flame. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, I guess we'll put a pin in this one. I mean, what else is there really to say?
0: Watching this kind of discourages me from continuing the show.
1: The only thing that I will say about that is. and I know you don't actually mean that, so don't get scared, everybody. Uh, the show's not going to disappear tomorrow. Um, it's it's not, uh, like I said, it's not a real episode. Like, it's a Halloween episode. You just kind of got to look at it that way. They didn't put a lot of effort into it because they probably didn't even want to do it. And they did it, and it's done. And now you never have to watch it again. Okay. So there's that.
0: Uh, yes. Th- yeah, the thank you, Star Trek.
1: Four tribbles.
0: I... We'll give it three just because I have to take a point away for Chekhov.
1: Well, all the episodes are going to get a point away for check-off then. I know. All right. So let's move on to our second episode this week. I mud. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I, I'm I with it. I, I was ready. I, I was not expecting this episode. You know, I saw the cat's paw last night and I woke up this morning. And I'm like, Fuck. I gotta watch a goddamn mud episode because Mud's women was bad. Like that was not a good episode, and I'm like, this is just gonna suck. I fucking loved I Mud. I I I I had a dumb smile on my face the entire time. They figured out how to write him.
1: Yeah, he he had glimmers of hope. Yeah, in Mud's women, the the episode itself was fairly boring. Again, um, an,
0: a case of the actor. Going hundred percent in it and elevating the material because the actor playing mud is able to hold his own with he outhams everybody
1: and they figured out you're right, they figured <laughs> out how to write him, they figured out the kind of episode that he would work in yeah, and it works brilliantly and oh, not God. only not only that but it's I think it's the first successful comedy episode
0: yeah i mean i I was just cracking I had to rewind parts on this episode. There were times I, I will like copy down like particularly good lines in my own notes. There were points where I was just you know, I realized I'm transcribing this script like their entire exchanges that are just fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um there, the li- the
1: line where Kirk is talking to the two androids right. and uh tells them to go away and they say why and he says, Because we don't like you.
0: And and then he was like yeah. <laughs> And then, like, so, yeah, I wrote then immediately after this, like, all right, what do you think? So, like, Chekhov goes, well, I think we're in trouble. And Kirk's is like, thank you, Mr. Chekhov. I wrote
1: that line down.
0: And then, like, he says,
1: well, that's a great help, Mr. Chekhov.
0: And then it even continues past that because, you know, Bones is, you know, he's like, what about you, Bones? No, we are in trouble, and he goes like, Spock. And if you say I'm in, tr- we're in trouble. He's like, Well, we are. <laughs>
1: Comedy comes in threes.
0: It, 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 they got it. Like, they, they, there's just so many beautiful lines in this episode. Everybody gets something to do. Um,
1: yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they beam down a lot of the cast, but yeah. they all, they're all there for a specific reason. Yeah. I mean, the only person maybe that wasn't there for a specific reason was Chekhov. But I think maybe yes, because. I'll get to that a little later, but you know we'll just put that out there on the table. We'll come back to that.
0: oh no this could go any one of any ways I know um and again not only is when you have a guest star who does is able to do something so elaborately and over the top it does uh threaten to overshadow other cast members, but every single character has several moments in this episode where they shine like and that's a very different Difficult thing to do on at any time. Keep a group of characters all interesting and all contributing, and they do that very well. This is a great
1: episode. Yeah, I mean, even Uhura has a great moment where you know they're, they they bring the android in to uh you know they're trying to, t- to talk her into letting them be mud up because they she says you know they say that he's dying and, and you know a is like oh no oh uh, they're lying to you blah you know and then after that they're all like you did it you did it you know it's great it's just great oh when when
0: they're like because she pretends that she's betraying them it's part of their and i loved that because they have this plan and they it's totally one of those they don't tell the audience what it is so you don't realize that she's still for a second i genuinely was like shit like your her is turning like yeah she could, and she has this line she's like cuz the thing that she's attracted to is that um the robot tail will give you a robot body and she's like i want an android body it's it's great
1: <laughs> it's it's interesting because i think one of the reasons why the episode works so well is it understands Mud, yeah, better than Mud's women did, um, which is interesting because, of course, uh, the person who wrote Mud's women created the character of Harry Mud, but the person who wrote this episode, I think, understands him a little better. Um, And it
0: also understands that he's an asshole, and he's a horrible person, but he's also really likable, and you don't want anything really bad to happen to him. Yeah,
1: he's... he's, But you also want him punished, yeah. He's like the likable rogue, basically. Uh, And I think, you know... what works about this episode is that as soon as they beam down to the planet and they, fi- cause of course like the first five minutes of the episode are legitimately like what the hell is going on? There's this guy and he's just like, okay, your, your ship's going to blow up. We're going somewhere and you don't know where we're going.
0: By the way, how does a robot get enlisted on the crew of a starship without anybody realizing, like,
1: I just kind of hand waved it away as like they made an Android look like someone, eh. you know, I mean that, that was probably it. Uh, but the great thing about this is, of course, once they beam down to the planet and they, they have the reveal that, that Harry Mudd is on this planet. on the he's, first. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's fashioning himself as like the emperor of the androids. And you just know that, like, you get, Le Kirk gets his look on his face. of like exasperation. He's just like, oh, God, yeah, Harry Mudd again. The second he
0: sees it, he was like,
1: oh, God, you. like, And he makes up all these things that he's going to do to Harry Mudd. And, you know, and I think what the episode is really good at is, identifying that Harry mud is like you said, he's, he's, we want to see him punished because he, he does all these crazy things that are really bad, but he's likable. And at the same time, he's competent to a degree, but his sort of like megalomania gets to him. And then he doesn't realize the extent of his own weird plans. And so as soon as the androids all kind of keep him on the planet, That's when he's like, oh, shit, like, I don't know what I'm doing now. I need your help.
0: Yeah, when he's first introduced, he's like, well, you're going to be on this planet forever. Ha, 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 you know, because they're – and he's like, he's evil. And then as he's telling his story, like, he's slowly, like, breaking down until he's like, look, I'm just so bored here. Like, I have everything I want, and it sucks, and I just want to get out, and they won't let me leave. And it's like – then you feel like almost like – He's kind of too pathetic to hate. Like he's
1: he's just, got, got a great line where he's talking about the free enterprise system and how he's like, um, the, you know this this great inter this great exchange between him and Kirk where like he's explaining what happened and Kirk is like boiling it down to its yeah. essence. So he's like, "Well, I I I found a way off the planet." He stole a ship, yeah, you know, like that kind of thing.
0: Um, what I thought was interesting there, by the way, and this is one of those differences between nineteen sixty eight and today. What, what did Mudd do wrong? Mud infringed some patents, saying that, and this is a direct quote from the episode, knowledge should be free to all, considered as a bullshit excuse. Mud is the Pirate Bay, and the show is saying you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that's true. Um, also, I think the show is about the problems that Android gives and why you should have an iPhone, but that's a different... Uh, <laughs> story
1: i i i, I want to come back to the character of harry mudd when we get to um uh new star trek because um george and Rod- george roddenberry my god gene roddenberry uh basically retconned the federation into some sort of like communist utopia so i do want to get to that much later because i think this is really hard to justify with that stuff and that is one of the reasons why because there's an idea of intellectual property in the Federation. Yeah. There's an idea. I mean, you know, they say that the uh, uh, the deno- the Denebians, I think it was. Um, sure. He sold some patents to the sold some Vulcan patents to them, and you know they wanted to put him to death. Uh, really interesting stuff that you could probably make a really interesting episode out of on its own, but you don't really need to know any of the specifics for it to be realized that it's a bad thing.
0: To be fair, I got a sense that a lot of that was less to do with the infringement and more, I mean, it almost seemed a helping the enemy out type of thing, maybe. Like, maybe there was some kind of issue like that. If he'd... No, no,
1: because they said that he was going to be, um, he was going to be prosecuted on Deneb, not that he was going to be prosecuted by the Vulcans. Uh, okay. So there, there's nothing like that there. You don't know what you're talking about, Richard. I don't. Yeah, you're just like Harry Mudd. Yeah, I am.
0: like Likeable and stupid.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about the androids. Okay. I realized in this episode that it seems to me that the original series thinks that only dead civilizations make androids. It's kind of weird. Yeah. i never really picked up on that before.
0: Well, it does make sense. And I wouldn't say it's because... I would say it goes with the series' larger theme of the purpose of humanity is to do shit. Yeah. Uh, And if you have a race of androids that is doing stuff for you and pampering you, eventually you're just going to die out because you've lost your purpose.
1: It kind of makes you think, though, right? Because in what little girls are made of, there's a—not a planet of androids, but there are a few remaining— that were created by a race called the Old Ones. And in this episode, you have a race of androids created by a dead race called the Makers. So how many planets in this galaxy exactly are populated by androids created by dead people? Well, none, because none of these
0: apparently are canonical, apparently. But um What? You know, because every time I say something, you're like, well, it was just a one-time thing for that, and they don't have to follow it up.
1: So I don't def- know what you're talking about. What
0: little girls are made of doesn't affect anything else, so it might no, not No, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect anything yeah, else. So- I
1: mean, it's still all part of the same yeah. Star Trek universe.
0: Um, maybe that point doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Um, I know what I'm trying to say. It's just too minor for me to care about explaining it. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, not interesting. Let's just move on.
1: The other implication, of course, is that Harry Mudd is creating androids um, for sex. Oh, uh,
0: Robo pissies exist.
1: Yeah, which you know is great, I yeah. guess. Oh, um, And you may as well just bring this. I may as well bring this up right now. Uh, you know, in a, in a creepy uh, rapist Chekhov watch for this week. Yeah. Uh, we have Chekhov sitting on uh, Mud the First's throne in one scene, and uh, two two buxom. Androids, identical twin androids are uh, on either side of the chair. And uh, basically he finds out that uh, they are able to, uh, uh, you know, have male penises inserted into them uh, (laughs) for the purposes of orgasm. And uh, Chekhov seems uh, very, very excited by the possibility that he can have as much angry sex with androids as possible and that he doesn't need to worry about getting consent.
0: But, why would Chekhov be into that? It's the power struggle that really does it for him. He likes women who are resisting. These robots are not.
1: Well, I mean, you know, he the,
0: knows he can have them, so that for therefore he's not interested. But
1: he can also cause them as much pain as possible, and they will never pass out.
0: Why were they programmed to feel pain?
1: It's really a bitch, isn't it? <laughs>
0: um, I. One what, what of my questions about this episode is. I mean, well, that question is just an observation. It's just Mudd did this completely wrong. If he had privately contacted Captain Kirk and said, look, you know, here's my situation. I can make a very nice offer. I just want amnesty and a ship. Here's this planet. There's a bunch of robots who will help you with anything. There are labs, the likes of which you've never seen before. I mean, Bones and Scotty are both fascinated by the advances these they see you know bone says you know i could spend my entire life here i'd never get bored you know the Im- and that's just two people give the planet to the federation have the federation's greatest minds working in this laboratory do you Im- can you imagine the amount of advances that they would make from it the tech with the assistance of these robots the technology that they would have to Anthorites. help pe- with no they're gynoids they're what now? La- la- largely, they're gynoids. Androidus means male. Aeon. gynoid female robot?
1: Nobody cares about your pedantry, Richard. Continue.
0: Anyway, um, well, said from the man who said, they're not robots, they're androids.
1: Well, that's a fair point. Now What's just... the
0: difference?
1: Oh, there's a difference. All
0: right, let's hear the difference. Because I know what the difference between a cyborg and everything else is. Because but...
1: androids have a penis and gynoids have a vagina. No no, 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 no.
0: I know what the difference between androids and gynoids is. I'm the one who brought gynoids onto the table. What's the difference between robots and androids?
1: Please stop saying gynoids.
0: You're avoiding my question.
1: An android looks like a person, and robot generally does not.
0: Okay, well, thank you. So, um, here's an army of gynoids who are going to, you know, assist your research. Again, the 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 possibilities for the Federation are endless, and that would have not only gotten Mud what he wanted out of there, and uh, you know, free but it would have also made mud a hero who discovered this planet and brought it to the attention of the federation and was the one who er- ushered in this era of change and utopia he would have been no- gone down in history as the one who had enabled all of these advances to his ego i think that would have made a lot more uh, been more satisfying
1: well i yeah. uh, obviously
0: it's his flaw that you know because there is a petty element of revenge to it that's very clear.
1: That's part of it, definitely. Yeah. I think also, um, yeah, Harry Mudd has a huge ego, but he also has a desire to work all the angles. Yeah. And in that kind of situation, once he's famous, he can't really get away with doing that anymore. So he probably would have been just as bored as he was on the Android planet.
0: That's true. Uh,
1: the other thing is I don't really think Kirk would have believed him. Well, no, but Kirk was still would have gone. I don't know if he would have. Like, oh come on.
0: Kirk does every side quest that's available to him. He would have done this one. I don't Maybe know. I don't have. think
1: so. I don't think he would have. I mean, you know, you're gonna he's gonna call Kirk and say, Hey, come to this planet, and Kirk's gonna be like, Okay, Harry Mud. Like, no, I don't I don't think so. You know
0: something I didn't like the last DLC, so why am I gonna pay for this one? Exactly. Um Okay, another question I had. Um So the Enterprise has been taken over 30 billion times since we've seen the series. Why isn't there a failsafe? As in, like, if Kirk doesn't report in, because assumedly he is regularly reporting to Starfleet, if he suddenly goes off the radar and the ship is still doing things, can't they remotely shut it down? Wouldn't that save so much hassle? But and, then
1: you wouldn't have an episode.
0: Yeah, I know. But you know, that that's that's not you know, Starfleet isn't in the business of entertainment. It's in the
1: business of exploring. Starfleet's not real, Richard.
0: Aren't you the Trekkie? You're not supposed to believe that.
1: <laughs> Don't try and apply logic to this. It's a TV show. I mean, you know, I love Star Trek, but there's we, only we could so, talk about. There's logic. only so seriously you can take the plot details of Star Trek. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> to be said about the. A lot to take seriously in the ideas and the philosophies of found in Star Trek, but in the actual, like, plot and, and, and world of Star Trek, eh, you know, I mean, not really. Hmm. Not so much.
0: I would like to talk about logic for a minute. Sure. Specifically, so I, I'm on record at saying I love when they logic bomb a computer, you know. Uh, this one... It seemed like they were setting up for a standard, Kirk is going to yell at everybody. And then they made every single cast member a part of it. Every single one got something to do to destroy. And it was fucking amazing. Not
1: only that. Okay. It takes up the last like 10 or 15 minutes of the episode. I where g- there, I
0: would watch three hours. Of they
1: basically here. just turned it into improv theater. Yeah. <laughs> um. The great thing about that, of course, is yes, you're right. Not only does every cast member get a chance to shine, but they're not outlogging the androids. They're, yeah. they're illogicking the. they're androids, making it, uh, which is cool. It's a cool idea because, of course, you know, you get a lot of that outlogicking the computer thing and, the, you know, how, why was I programmed to feel pain and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like they, they get to just act as crazy as possible in an attempt to make the androids, like, go cross eyed and yeah. shut themselves down. Uh, And they're doing, like, this weird, like, improv kabuki theater. (laughs)
0: They're, like, pantomiming dancing and, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're doing, like, they're doing, like, space work to make bombs (laughs) and pretending that Scotty is dead because they all shot him with their finger.
0: He gets this, you know, I'm tired of pleasure, kill me, you know, and, like, he's, again, everybody gets a chance to ham and they're funny.
1: Yeah, it's a really, really funny sequence. And then of course at the very end, and this is really famous in Star Trek, by the way, is everything Harry Mudd says is a lie. Yeah. I am lying. <laughs> but but he is lying, but everything he says is a lie. So how can he you know Yeah. Like that, that's, that's
0: one of those cliches, I mean, in the game Portal 2. There's a running gag where uh going about, you know, the statement is true, the statement is false, you know, type thing and using that as one of the punchlines to defeat, you know, one of the things to defeat the computer, you know, that's that's parodied everywhere. This, it's, it's really funny to see a straight example of it in a way. Like, it's supposed to be the ultimate trump card, and it's supposed to be such a clever thing, because it hadn't been cliche yet at this point.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things I like about watching the original series, of course, is that, like, it is so well-known, and it is so highly regarded, and it is so old at this point. I mean, let's not... You know, let's not beat around the bush. It's an old show now. It's almost 50 years old, which, you know, it's hard to believe, but it is. Wow. Uh, 45 years old, I think this episode is, um, technically. That there is a lot of that stuff in there, which has been parodied so much in other television shows, other video games, movies, all those things. Um, And yet, watching it here, you can see why it's been parodied so much. Because... It works when it works, it works, yeah. and when it's good, it's really good and so things don't get things don't get this sort of like second life and this parody you know sort of atmosphere behind them if they're not actually good
0: no and of course, what's the one the the, the ones that people parody aren't the cat's paws and the apples of it they're the mirror mirrors and the wrath of cons and all of those you know, and yes I mud. Everybody is firing on all cylinders. It works. The direction's good. The writing's good. The acting's good. The sets are good. Everybody's having a good time with it as well. You can tell You can tell they hated filming Cat's Paw, but they had a hell of a time with
1: this one. Yeah, I think that's right.
0: That, that's it. Yeah, acting is only as much fun as what you have to act with. They had a really good thing to work with in this.
1: Absolutely. All right. Do we have anything else to say about iMud?
0: I mean, we could, it, it, it's funny because as far as feminism and gender roles go, this is a very odd episode. Um, I mean, having a planet full of sex bots itself, what he does with this ex-wife robot that he has, that's yeah, weird.
1: Yeah, we have not talked about that. Um, that is very...
0: He has this, you know. He talks about how he hates his ex-wife. She was this, I mean, you know, nagging shrew. And he has this robot of hers that he turns on. She yells at him, and he can tell her to shut up, and she shuts up. Like, and, and at, of course, at the you know, he he.
1: Yeah, we haven't talked about the the whole you know the denouement of the episode, which is that at the end they reprogram the androids and they tell them to keep mud there. And not only that, but they have 500 replicas of his ex-wife android maid, who are going
0: to be his prison guard, basically, who
1: are going to harass him for the rest of his life. It's
0: it's one of those. Okay, I I I I, I was at a talk with uh, the author China Mieville, who was talking about works like Heart of Darkness, and he was saying, you know, there's a lot of talk about how. You know, how can you like that work? in? you know, how does the, the work, you know, does the work succeed in spite of the uh, anti, you know, the racist attitudes in the work and the, you know, colonial difficulties? And, you know, this episode, it doesn't succeed in spite of the weird gender roles. I think that gives a very interesting flavor to it that places it as a very specific time. Adds to the comedy just in that, to me, it's so bizarre that they would give these kind of themes, you know, to have somebody creating an android of this actual woman who was probably unpleasant, probably not as unpleasant as that, you know, the implication is legitimately so because can you imagine being married to Harry Mudd, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, of course you would yell at him every, you know, few seconds. Um, It's one of those, it's fucked up, and yet it's a hilarious poetic justice when he is, you know, all right, you, you want to get away from that. We're going to give you something that is literally 500 times worse than that.
1: Yeah, and it's not only the fact that he is being surrounded by 500 copies of his ex-wife or his wife. I don't remember if they were divorced or not. Um, it implied that
0: he left her and, you know.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 the fact that he is being surrounded by 500 copies of his worst— yeah. fantasies of his wife because this isn't really his wife yeah, of course. and we don't really know how terrible she was i mean this is like the concept of the of of the of the nagging shrew wife is kind of like you know straight out of like vaudeville from 1925 yeah. i mean it's not anything that um, is, is, is real. And a lot of that has to do with the fact, uh, you know, who was the audience for this kind of thing? Yeah, of course. Um, what sort of power did women have in society? You know, the only real power they had at the time was, you know, in their, in their homes and their marriages. Um, and even then a lot of times they didn't. So that's interesting. And then it's also interesting, of course, because at the end of the episode, again, Harry Mudd is just being surrounded by you know, his worst nightmare, basically. Not And and Kirk, and Kirk has found a way to, to punish Harry mud, not externally, not by any force of society, but by using his own worst fear against him, yeah. which is really, really vindictive.
0: Well, as I said, you know, we want to see mud punished, but we also don't, you know, the the thought of when he said like, you know, he's on essentially condemned to death in absentia. Um, we don't want that for Mud. I think the thought of Mud being, you know, executed is a horrible idea just because, again, he's a bad person, but, you know, he's, he's funny to watch. You know, he's just a sad sack who's just trying to make a scam and just isn't smart enough to win. Other than like a con, Con loses just because Kirk got lucky. Mud loses because he's kind of dumb and he's a little too wrapped up in himself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: it's not at all a fair fight between the two. Um, And so I think this punishment gives him exactly what he deserved, turns this weird exploitation of these female robots against him. Remember, he's not just being surrounded by 500 of his wife. There's also going to be the pretty model, you know, pretty – there's also going to be the pretty androids around there that right before his wife is revealed, he spends his time evaluating each of those and saying, well, I guess that'll be okay. You know, if I'm here – I guess it's not that bad. You know, yeah, I'm being, you know, I'm in prison, but, you know, my guards are really hot. And probably one of them will go, since he's being watched by 500 of his ex-wife, he is very much in look, but don't touch land. He's not. Yeah. So he's. He, it's That's a
1: double punishment. Yeah,
0: it's 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 bad enough that he has his wife surrounding him. It's also worse that these people who are. He goes on several times about he's made them to his exact, you know, specifications of beauty. His sexual ideals are here. People who he was able to— Small
1: labias, I assume. Well, you know. uh, Or big. I don't know what his predilections are.
0: uh, He looks like he doesn't have that much that he's packing, so.
1: Maybe, Um, maybe not. We don't know.
0: Would you sleep with the Harry mud? No, I wouldn't. There you go.
1: Also, the fact of the matter is it's been 50 years and he's probably dead. Well, that's sad. Yeah.
0: Actually, he hasn't been born yet, because it's centuries in the future. <laughs> oh,
1: right, of course. Anyway, I didn't mean to to kill your momentum there.
0: It's okay. You've killed many things of mine.
1: All right. So, uh, what would you give this episode, Richard? Nine tribbles. Minus nine nine. one
0: for checkoff.
1: Yeah, this is a really good one. I
0: almost perfect scored this one. Yeah, I, 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 I it's,
1: it's not, it's not quite a ten for me either, but it's a nine, maybe even a nine point five. It's, it's a really, really, really good one, and, and you know, it's a really good one because it is so funny.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. I was again, I was laughing. I had to pause to catch up with my notes or rewind to see bits again. I, I had to see that uh, the exchange with, you know, you know, the we're in trouble, you know, good job, Mr. Chekhov. You know, I, I rewound that to see that entire bit, you yeah. know, because it was just so well done. That was, I I probably will watch the celebration again later.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. OK, so Uh. I will tell you the episodes for next week in a moment.
0: Well, you didn't triple this.
1: I did. I said 99.5. I didn't hear that. You weren't paying attention to me. No. You're just like Harry Mudd's wife. So uh, I just wanted to bring up the fact that uh, there's a couple things that you can do. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook. Like it. That'll be cool if you do that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Trek about show, uh, TrekAboutShow, at Show. if you want to get uh, pedantic about it. I know Richard wants to get pedantic about it. At com. Yes, there you go. And uh, the final thing you can do to help out the show, again, um, and this is the last time I'll bring this up for a while, but I just want to mention, you can please go to iTunes and uh, rate the show and write a review. Uh, that'll help us out a lot.
0: They could also give money or goods or services.
1: They, they could do that, too. Yeah. Or they could build us a sex Android.
0: Sex. No, we would want the Android. We would want the Android.
1: We don't want the. Don't, do not build us a sex gynoid.
0: I don't know. Like I said, I don't like Android. You could get us a sex iPhone.
1: There you go. Uh, So join us next week. We're going to be covering the episodes Metamorphosis and Journey to Babel.